right, good morning, Three Circle. It's great to be with you guys today. We're gonna go into week two of our current uh, Characters Creation Series. We got folks joining us at all of our campuses and online right now. Welcome to everyone as we dive into the truth of God's word today. So Characters Creation, based off of, of, of a book I got to read last summer from uh, Dr. Daniel Darling wrote this book. And if you wanna check it out, you can go on Amazon, order it, great, simple read, but so deep theologically. And he hit some stuff that we won't have time to hit. We're going to hit some things that he didn't hit in the book, so it'd be absolutely advantageous for you if you're a reader, pick up that book. It's incredible. But we started last week with the first character of creation being creation itself. And really what we're doing in this series is we're just looking at the first few chapters of Genesis to see what does the Bible teach us about our origin story. We have a beginning. And that is exactly what the book was called initially. The book of the beginnings is what Genesis means. Now, who wrote it? You know, have you ever wondered, like, who, was, who was standing in the garden to write all this down, right? Well, Moses wrote Genesis because God told him to. God gave Moses the account of our beginning, which means he must have wanted us to know. It's like Ancestry.com we have now because we want to figure out where we came from and who we are and, and who our great-great-granddad was and all that kind of stuff. Well, we have our origin story for every single one of us found in those few, first few chapters of Genesis. Now, a couple of things to note, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two and three all kind of work together. In particular, one and two uh, kind of repeat the same information, but with more detail in, in chapter two. So chapter one gives you a flyover of what happened. Then you go back and you go back through it more slowly with more detail in chapter two. And so God has given us the story of our beginnings, and we're gonna learn so much. So last week, we looked at creation itself. This world that we live in that brings glory to God. How many of you looked at the world you live in right here in our area a little differently after last week, and you started going, wow, I wanna glorify God and what I see, right? I'm hoping that many of you stopped uh, taking for granted cows. Remember that? We talked about cows last week. We said cows, one of the most wonderful things God ever created, from leather jackets to shoes to ice cream to cheese to steaks. And, uh, and steaks, you know, uh, all to the glory of God. I and mean, you know how, can we just thank God for the cow? And so I'm hoping that you realize that God created this world for us to live in and it brings glory to him and we should notice it and we should praise him for the world that he's given us to live in. But the next character of creation we're going to look at today is the first of the two first humans. We're going to look at Adam today. And as we look at Adam, I want to tell you the approach we're going to take. We're going to look basically verse by verse through what Genesis tells us about Adam. And we're not going to get very much into the fall yet because the fall when sin entered the picture is going to come up in a couple of weeks. What I want to do first is look at Adam and next week look at Eve and see what is God telling us through who these people were and how they lived. Because we get a picture, however brief it is, we get a picture of what human existence looked like before sin twisted it all up. This is what it looked like. And we can learn a lot from it. So here's what I would love for you to do today. As we read about what God intended human life to look like, I want you to see how different your life is from it. Like, let's take our lives and place Adam's life that we get from Genesis over the top of our lives and see if they line up. And I think you're going to find some areas that, that, that I know because we all deal with sin and he didn't. Sin messes us up. But Jesus came to make all things new. Jesus came to bring us back to where, he, where we were supposed to be. So we can look and go, okay, here's a blueprint of the way it was supposed to look. And I believe this can be a great, a great target for us to shoot at as humans. So we're going to jump into that today. We're just going to go right out of the gate to Genesis 2-7. Let's see when God made Adam. And remember, today we, we celebrate gender. We're going to get into some of that. But we can learn from both Adam and Eve 
what it meant to be human, okay? So Genesis 2, 7 says this, then the Lord, let's just start there, wait, then, what happened before? If said, then the Lord, well, what was happening before? Well, he, he did all the rest of creation. So trees and mountains and creeks and streams and deer and cows and birds and mosquitoes, which we're still not sure about, but we know in, the great mysteries will be revealed to us one day. God created everything, and then this happens. Then the Lord God formed the man. I want you to hear the different language. You don't hear this language anywhere else about anything else. God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, that is how humans were created right there. And I want you to notice that, that the Hebrew language here is language that, that describes like an artist or, or a sculptor makes a masterpiece and then brings it to life. That's what's happening here. And I want you to notice the unique language. I want you to, I want you to notice today that God did not form trees. He did not take time to form. There's a different language used than when he made humans. He spoke into existence things like trees and turtles and uh, streams and rivers and light and dark stars. All of those things he spoke into existence, but when it came to humans, Adam, you, he took a little time. The Bible says he formed. There was an extra level of creation going on here. And not only that, he breathed like everything is special about how he made humans. This is the first big thing we see. So you can write it down. Adam was the first human created by God. And I want you to see that it was special when he created him. King David later in the Bible will say that he was wonderfully and fearfully made, that God knit him together in his mother's womb. So the first thing we get here is as awesome as everything else in creation is, Nothing compares to humans. Nothing does. I love this movie, uh, When We Bought a Zoo. It's a fun, great movie. Matt Damon was in it. And the zookeeper, this great scene that I love, uh, he, someone's asking him, do you just love this place? He said, well, I like the animals, but I love the people. Humans are special. They really are. And Adam was the first one created. So now let's look at a series of things that we see about Adam and we go, okay, do our lives line up with what we're reading here? Because we can say we believe these things. Oh, by the way, why do we believe the book of Genesis? And why do we believe, and I'm just going to tell you, like you, you don't even have to agree with me. I just at least want the cards on the table so you know where I'm coming from. We all have a point of view. And here's my point of view and the point of view of our church, okay? This is what we believe. We believe the events and people described in Genesis. We believe the events are actual historical events, that they really happen, and that the people and characters are real people and real characters. Now, why does that matter? Well, number one, there, there's a lot of people that believe it is allegorical, that this is a myth. It's a fable. It's just a way that people say, okay, here's how it probably happened. Okay, so then why do we not take what we call the allegorical route, where we just think this was a nice fable? Why do we believe it literally and believe that these were real people and real events? And here's number one reason, because Jesus did. Because Jesus talked about Genesis and the events of Genesis and the characters, he spoke of them like they really happened and like these people really existed. And so here's the deal, man. I'm always gonna go with Jesus. Like, because if I, if I believe my whole faith is based on who Jesus is, well, then if he was wrong about something, I got a problem. I can't base my entire existence on, uh, on one person, on Jesus, and then not believe him when he said things, right? 
So I, you know, I'm just gonna go with the guy who they crucified and killed him and they put him in a grave for three days. He came walking out of the grave three days later alive. I'm just gonna go with his opinion every time, all right? That's, that's where we're going, okay? And again, you may go, okay, that's cool. You do that. I'm not with you. That's, I'm cool and I'm so glad you're here and I hope you just hear me out today. But I want you to know that's our point of view. These things really happen. And so in Genesis 1, 26, 28, we see some interesting things happen when God created Adam and Eve. Then God said, let us, well, that's interesting. That didn't take long to escalate. <laughs> let us, first mention of the Trinity in the Bible. When we say God at Three Circle Church, we mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And what we see here is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit had a conference. And we don't see that happening with pine trees, as great as they are. You would have thought with the wonderful things in creation that he would have had lots of conferences like this. But it's the only, only time it's mentioned is when God made us humans. God said, let us make man in our image, the only part of creation that can say that, after our likeness. And because of that, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock. There it is, cow, see? <laughs> and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Well, we're, we're getting repetitive here. He wants you to, to get this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. He also wanted you to know that he didn't just create Adam in his image. He created male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's just dive into this. We, we read some of this last week. We're gonna keep building on it. First of all, we see here, you can write it down, Adam and Eve will be next week as well, created in the image of God. So just so no one thinks that Adam, you know, the, the, that men were created in the image of God. And, and by the way, there was some bad theology a long time ago where there's like, well, Adam's the one that's created in the image of God. And, and, and because he's lesser than God, then, then women must be less than him because they were, they were next. And that is like all wrong. That's all wrong. And, and all you got to do is read your Bible. So God says here, male and female, he created them in his image and in his likeness. Yeah. Also, another thing we see here is that gender, we said it last week, we say it again, not to woo-woo, we're right, everybody else is wrong, the world's bad. No, we're just saying we celebrate gender. We celebrate men and women. God created us, male and female, he created them. And it is beautiful. Look, I'm raising men and a little lady, okay? I got two dudes and a girl in my house, and they are different. Very different. And you gotta, you gotta understand that. I had to understand because I coached my oldest son in sports and then I coached my next son in sports. And then when I started coaching my daughter, I had a, I had a girls basketball team a couple of years ago. And by the way, I mean, it is like, you know, I'm like Phil Jackson level. Like Chicago Bulls, that coach, you know, really, really, I'm just kidding. Like bad coach, bad coach. Just love the kids and oh man. But it's funny because you learn with the boys. The boys, you just come right at them, right? And you got to, hey, you got to ease up a little bit with the ladies. You know, I realized real fast, like, I'm, we're getting ready to practice. Like, we're going to go take these kids and we're going to win this game. They're all looking at me like, man. And it's not less intense. It's just different. It's just different. 
And so I had to learn, hey, I've got to coach this differently, not better or worse, not less intense, by the way, because my girls' basketball team was bad to the bone. You know what I mean? I mean, they were ready to play some ball, okay? They were for real. But you know what? They had to be coached differently. And instead of shying away from that and, oh, that's not politically correct, I just go, no, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful the way God has made us. And we celebrate it here at Three Circle. And so we see that male and female were created in his image. And we see here we're supposed to have dominion. Now let's just think about this because I'm just going to take a moment and and I don't have time to really get into evolution versus this. We're not anti-science at Three Circle. We love science. I think science is the discovery of more of what God has done. I mean, I truly do. And I love medical science and I I love all the sciences. And so never, never do that. Whenever we we act like we're scared of science, it, it, it frankly it just makes us look dumb. I'm just helping you here, and, and don't be a dumb Christian. I mean, I just love you. Somebody quote that. Don't be dumb Christians. All right. So instead, let's go. Okay, no, no. We we understand that God is overall and sovereignly said dominion. So I've said this before. I've got allergies, uh, uh, and if I don't take like a leg or something every day, it gets bad. You know. So I'm grateful for whatever guy took dominion over creation, took some stuff that God gave him, Play-Doh that he gave him to play with, and made Allegra and Zyrtec. How many of my allergy people are out there? And you're like, yes, amen. Even more seriously, what about the cancer patient that has chemotherapy now that can target the cancer and not kill everything else in the body? And, and some of you have been there, you're going through it right now, and you go, thank God for whatever God did that, whatever lady did that. That's subduing the earth. To, the other night, I cooked a ribeye in my lodge, cast iron skillet, and I subdued the earth to the glory of God and the good of those who tasted it at my house. Okay, so we see our interaction with creation, but here's the deal. If evolution is the final word on everything and that whole idea, and if there is no God, then help me understand how people are the ones that ended up being the boss. Because I've been out west fly fishing, and I've seen grizzly bears in the wild, and they should be ruling the earth. (laughs) There's no reason that a pack of grizzlies and lions and tigers aren't running the earth. Because they're they're stronger, faster. I I got no chance, right? I got no chance. I'm thankful the grizzly that my wife and I saw were fly fishing, and they're like, there he is. And, and he never even looked at us. We're like, we're like just fly fishing, and he's just fishing too. He's like, hey, guys, how y'all doing? He just kept fishing. He's got one hand. He just, thankfully, because I'm pretty sure if he, want, if he decided, you know what? They're bigger. They look tender. I'll have them. You know? He could have. He didn't, thankfully. But now just think about it. Why are we the boss of this planet? Because God deemed it so because God said you take dominion because we're not the strongest and we're not the fastest of course we're the we're the smartest but we also have sin and 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 we 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 make unlogical choices sometimes because of our ability to think and so we're we're there's no reason we're running this place except that God said you guys are going to run it and it's because All the rest of creation is beautiful. And all of the rest of creation glorifies God. But Adam's the first one that led to all of us being made in his image. And you can't say that about any other part of creation. You were made in his image. Second thing, this or third thing this should tell us is this. This should inform how we treat other human beings. Don't ever forget 
that even the human being that you disagree with, that's on the opposite side of whatever fence you're looking across, you just remember as you have discord, we can disagree, we can either, we, we have to discipline people at times, all those things happen, but even when it's tough, you remember you're dealing with someone who's an image bearer. You're dealing with image bearers, people that bear the image of God. This is why as Christians, as people who believe the gospel, it's good. We, we fight real hard to have gospel doctrine at Three Circle, what we believe. We want it to be right and theological. So we call that gospel doctrine. Gospel doctrine is what you teach and say. But we also need gospel culture. Gospel culture is what we do and how we live. And if we're not careful, we'll have really great, gospel doctrine and theology and we will undo it with the way we live and way we treat people so we must have gospel beliefs and doctrine and also have gospel behavior and gospel culture and what informs that at the very beginning is this every human I come in contact with is made in the image of God and they have intrinsic dignity and worth and value and I better treat them like that right so so it's why, of course, we care about racism. And of course, we care about justice. And it doesn't, you don't have to apologize for that as a Christian. You don't have to go, I care about social justice, but I'm not being political. We'll just drop that last part. Because it's not political. It's we care about people. And yes, we care about the unborn, so we are absolutely pro-life. Unapologetically. But you know what? We're not just going to care about the womb. We're going to care all the way to the tomb. Meaning we care about the elderly. We care about those who don't have enough. We care about the poor. We care about the widowed. We care about the elderly who needs help. We, we care about all humans because all humans matter and all humans are created in the image of God. It drives what we do, right? So it's why we support Women's Care Medical Center and it's why we have a Hope Center. It's why we don't just care about the baby in the womb. We care about the mother carrying the baby. It's why we can't just say one thing and not do the other. This informs how we live. It informs how we parent, how we do marriage, because humans are created in the image of God. The next thing we see, verse 15, Genesis 2.15. And by the way, as we walk through it, just start laying your life across that. Just go, okay, do I see the world that way? If this is the way humanity's supposed to look, the garden without sin... How, how, am I, how am I doing here? Do I look a lot like this? Okay, next. Genesis 2.15, this will interest you. The Lord God took the man after he made him, brought him to life, and the first thing he did is gave him a milkshake and a burger and said, kick back and relax. <laughs> Negative, Ghost Rider. That's not what he said. The first thing he did is he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, wait a minute. I was under the impression, I bet many of you were, that work was a part of the fall. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that work was a part of a perfect garden. A perfect, listen, the apex of human existence involves work. Because you were made, work is a joyful, beautiful thing. Not a begrudging thing. And by the way, the book of Revelation says when we get there one day, when we are in heaven, when this world has all been made new, guess what's going to still be there? Work. The Bible says we will work. We'll have jobs to do. So what I'm saying today for all of us here is whatever, unless your work is sinful and you can have sinful work, and if you do, you need to stop it and align your life with Jesus and his work. But all human work, unless it is unbiblical, all human work has dignity. And we should see it as celebrated as such. 
Do you know how, I'm thank, how thankful I am for the guys in Fairhope, Alabama, where I live, who come and pick up my trash? I'm just so grateful for them. And you know those weeks when, we don't, when they don't come, you're like, <laughs> please. I'm so thankful when I hear that truck pull up out there. I'm so grateful. And they do it well. They don't even beat up my trash can. They're so nice with it and all. You think that's not important? It's unbelievably, right? You're so, hey, so thankful for the work, so thankful for teachers, like all parts. So thankful for men and women who just clean their houses. Like there's no form of human work that's not dignified, that God did not ordain for us. So as a church and as believers, we should infiltrate the world working joyfully, whatever we do, and know that God, like you're glorifying God in your work. Because before Adam sinned, he had a job. In fact, one of the first things he did. So I, th I think it's a great way. Like when some old scraggly boy comes to my house wanting to date my daughter, I'm going to be like, you got a job? It's biblical, man. <laughs> what kind of job you got? What do y'all think? You like that? Good move? All right. Jobs are good. Uh, here's another one that we see. We see that Adam was close to God. There, it wasn't agnosticism which says there was separation. No, no, there, there's a relationship there. Genesis 2.16 says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Now, the two things I find interesting here. Number one, God in this perfect place communicated audibly, obviously, with Adam. There was communication. And the first thing, maybe this will surprise you, those of you who think, that God is such the, he's the great confiner of human joy. All God wants to do is tell you what not to do. Maybe you grew up in church that way where everything was like, okay, don't listen to rock music. Don't, you know, don't smoke, don't dip, and don't date anybody that does. You know, that kind of thing. If you grew up in that environment. It's all the don'ts. It's the list of the to don'ts. But isn't it interesting that the first thing God said to Adam was the to do's. Oh, I like that. Isn't it interesting? We focus on, he told him he couldn't eat of the tree. He told him he could eat of a billion others. By the way, a little bone to pick here, even with our own creative design. Why is it assumed that it was an apple that they ate at the fall? Apples are awesome. I love apples. I'm changing the game today. It was a cantaloupe. <laughs> it was a cantaloupe. You and I all know, you, look, you go and you get the fruit cup at Chick-fil-A. And you know you're going to eat the blueberries, the strawberries, and the chunks of apple before you touch that piece of cantaloupe. That cantaloupe's going to be sitting there at the very end. Okay, whatever. Right? Those of you that love cantaloupe, I apologize. But from now on, she's reaching to grab a cantaloupe. Someone pointed out to me earlier, like, cantaloupe don't grow on a tree, brother. Well, I didn't say my illustration was perfect, okay? But isn't it interesting that God starts saying, here's what you can do. Go. It, it, listen to his commands. Go and be fruitful and multiply and eat of all these trees. Go discover them. He gets to name the animals. He does pretty good. Hippopotamus, rhinoceros, that's great. He gets tired. Rat, cat, gnat. You know, he's doing the best he can. <laughs> but it's amazing. It's a to-do list first. And I don't know about you, but I want us to be a church that's known for what we're for before we're known for what we're against. Now, make no mistake. There are things we're against. We'll draw lines. But let that not be our identity. Our identity, here's what we're for. We're for living the full life that Jesus gave us to live. And he had a relationship with him. He was talking to God, and God wanted him to have freedom. The first thing he tells, look at all this freedom you have. 
But, verse 17, there are commands. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. And there was a reason. It wasn't just because God's having fun, telling him what not to do. No, there's a reason. Because if you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God had commands for Adam. God had commands. He is the boss of that garden. He's the boss of our existence. And he tells us, you got all this freedom. Here's some things not to do. But isn't it interesting that we humans focus on that tree? That's what Satan did. He said, hey. And you notice Satan does not go and talk to, in a few weeks when we look at the fall, he does not talk to Adam and Eve about all the trees they can eat. He talks about the one they can't. When my kids were little, and I, you know, you tell them. We've all been here, right? You tell the kid, you're like, hey, don't touch the stove. It's hot. Am I trying to steal their joy? Am I trying to confine them and keep them from some great pleasure? No, it's going to burn them. But it doesn't matter how many times you say it. They're like, "Uh uh-huh. You turn around and here that hand goes because they don't believe you. You're like, "You you can go touch the wall. You can go touch the window. You can touch the couch. You can touch the carpet. You can go outside and touch a tree. You can put your hands in the dirt. There's 40 billion things you can touch. Don't touch the stove. Okay? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Then you turn around, and then all of a sudden you hear screaming and all this. Why? What did they do? Come on, help me out. They're going to touch the stove. They're going to put their hand in the fire. What's going through the human mind at that point? It it proves to you that we all get a sin nature from Adam. He gave us all one. Because we are born sinners. I don't care how cute your kids are. They are sinners. (laughs) Just like you and I. And they're going to touch that stove. What's going through their mind? Do they think, dad's lying. It's not hot. There's gummy worms in there or something, you know? He's keeping something from me. But we do the same with God, don't we? Don't we? Think of all the areas of life that we do the same. Where he says, you can do so many things. We go, well, we're going to do this. Here's the freedom you have in relationships and in sexuality. Just do it my way. I'm just telling you, do it my way. And instead we go, you know what? Surely you're holding out on me, God. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to play by your rules. Your rules are too confining. We've been doing this from the beginning. But when Adam was clicking on all cylinders, he was saying yes to the freedom, and he was obeying the commands. And it went real well for him. He command, By the way, his commands were not suggestions. He was like, if you don't mind, leave that one tree alone. No, he said, don't eat that tree. And here's why, because it'll kill you. Now, we're going to see in a few weeks that when he eats of the tree, you look at him, you're like, wait a minute, he's still living. He's going to live several hundred years. But he immediately died spiritually. He was separated from God spiritually, immediately. The last thing we see that I find very interesting, very informative for us today, is Genesis 2, 18. Again, we've just walked down the line of the Adamic, scriptural lesson, scriptural uh, content about him. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What do we learn here? Adam and you and I were created for community and relationships. Now this is, I find this very fascinating. Think about it. Adam is in a perfect world, no sin, And he has a perfect relationship with God. He is communicating with God. And you would think, well, that would be enough. And God himself says, that's not enough. 
He's in a perfect place, no sin, and a perfect relationship with God. And this should show you the value of the one another's. We need each other. Hey, and it doesn't matter if you're extrovert or introvert. That just means you're loud or quiet. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean you don't need each other. Like we need each other. We need community. We need relationship. You were made for it. And and because God is infinite and we're finite and he knew he had made finite creatures, he even brings the animals to Adam to add friction. He brings the the, the animals and Adam's like, well, there's a couple of lions, there's a couple of tigers, there's a couple of rhinoceros. They they all got buddies and I don't have a buddy. That was the whole point. You see it in the Bible. God's like, he's like, you do know you need somebody too and I got somebody for you. We're gonna talk about her next week. But we, we need human relationship. We're made for each other. It's why COVID reminded us of many, many things. But one thing it reminded us of, we need each other, right? We need each other. We desire human relationships. This is interesting. A very famous hospital, Parkland Hospital in Dallas, it's where they took JFK when he was assassinated. Uh, just a few years back, they realized that their hospital had all these repeat ER patients that kept coming in. And it cost, one year, they, they said it cost like 14 million bucks. They put it all together. It was an insane amount of money, this big group of people. And they realized there's all these repeat customers. So they, let's study this. And they realized it was happening across the country. So they did a study on it. And here's what they found. They found that this big group of very costly repeat customers that half the time didn't need to come in, they, they went under the surface. They realized they were coming in because they were lonely. Because they had no one in their lives. Watch this. Their conclusion was, that the vast majority of them was coming because when they got to the hospital, they had other humans who would interact with them, touch them, care for them, treat them like they mattered, and show them empathy and care. So they would literally fake it to get there and get that. How about that? We need each other, don't we? And so... Just, just, take, hey, just take Adam's life and put it over yours and ask yourself, do I value my relationship, my friendships, my spouse, my children, my parents, my family, my church? Do I value human relationships the way I should? Because that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? When we realize God made us that way, we absolutely need each other. And we can celebrate that and care for one another in that way. And be sure as a church that we make sure, watch this, that we make sure if we can help it, that no one's ever lonely if we can help it, right? Do everything we can to make sure of that. We were made for relationships. Now, the last thing I want to show you today about Adam, because I wanted you to show, I wanted to show you who he was so that we can say, now, does my life look like that? Do I love to work? Truly, do I have work that I take joy in? Do I see the dignity in other people's work and celebrate it? Do I have a personal relationship with God? God talked audibly to, to Adam. He talks to you too. You want to hear the Bible? You want to hear God talk out loud? Read your Bible out loud. Because this is the word of God. It's him speaking to you. Do you have communication with God? Uh, do you listen to his commands and obey him? Because when Adam was clicking all, on all cylinders, he was enjoying his freedom while obeying the simple commands of God. And do you value your relationships with other people? But finally... There's a big connection between that you need to see today, and it brings us to the gospel. There's a big connection between Adam and Jesus. The apostle Paul in the New Testament called Jesus the second Adam. Why would he call him that? Well, because Adam represented all of humanity. So when he fell, and he will in a few weeks in sin, we're going to see it, 
We were all represented in him. We get our human bodies through Adam. We also get sin nature through him. And you're born with it. You can't blame it on Adam because we all act on our sin nature too. So don't be like, see, everything would be fine if it weren't for Adam. Oh, no. You are complicit, my friend. But it all started there, okay? But Jesus, too, represents those who believe upon him. See, what you do is you trade the first Adam for the second one when you come to Jesus in salvation. Uh, Tom Schreiner said this, writer, theologian, the two decisive figures in human history are Adam and Christ. Adam brought into the world the great enemies of human happiness, sin and death. These twin powers reign over all those in Adam and only those in Christ conquer sin and death and become righteous and live. Remember, Adam's gonna die when he sins against God and the only way to have spiritual life again is through Jesus. By the way, we are born spiritually dead. It's why Jesus said you have to be born twice, all right? You gotta be born again. So look what Paul wrote in the Corinthians. As our team comes, I want you to hear this last piece. You ready? Paul says, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. We just read when that happened. But the last Adam, who's the last Adam, church? Jesus. The last Adam, he became a life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. Isn't that true? You're born physically. You have to be born again spiritually. Verse 47, the first man was from the earth. Didn't we just see that with Adam? He was a man of the dust, but the second man, Jesus, he's from heaven. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are of the dust. Who's of the dust? Listen, watch this. If you don't have Jesus as your savior, you're of the dust. You're a person of the dust. Just person of the dust. But he says, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Now, I don't know about you. I'd rather be of heaven than the dust. Well, you can make that trade through the gospel and through Jesus Christ. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we all have, you're born that way. You're born bearing the image of the man of the dust. We shall, those of us who believe upon Christ, we now bear the image of the man of heaven. I am thankful I'm not just a man of the dust. I'm not just dirt. I've got the life of Jesus inside of me and the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. And if you're a Christian, lives inside of you. And if you're not a believer, he would gladly come into your life today and transform you. Jesus is the second and greater Adam. And I close today with this last verse that I hope can be true for all of us in this room today. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And we're thankful for that today. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Help us through your power to look more like Adam before the fall. May you do that in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.